friends and welcome to episode 21 of Black Band T-Shirt Podcast. Uh, my name's Ollie Connors and I'm here as always with my psychic best friend and co-host Chris Morant. How are we today Chris? I'm good thank you. Pleased yeah. that we're here at the number 21 giving our podcast a key to something. <laughs> the key to your heart listeners. <laughs> Um, yeah, so sorry we've been absent. Uh, been taking a bit of an extended break, unannounced break for just general mental and physical health on my part. Uh, it's winter, I keep getting colds. So that's, you know. There we go. There. <laughs> that's that. But we are back with a big one. Uh, now, this was originally going to be our year anniversary podcast but uh, we blew past that that would have been late november we've not had one since before that so it still kind of is it's yeah, just yeah, a, yeah. a late celebration late ce- a belated celebration and we decided for the year of uh, of our bullshit we'd um we'd we'd do a big one and yeah you can't get much bigger than the beatles can you not really <laughs> um yeah the beatles quite a big band Big, big old deal. <laughs> I've got the uh, anchor man scene in my head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one uh, this. I, I feel like we had to just do this for the first year anniversary, so we've kind of done it as well because it's probably the most. Is there a band that would split opinion as much as the Beatles? Probably not. Really. No, no, I don't think there is ever. So you know, I don't think there's any way. That we can win this, we just have to go in being honest with ourselves, and someone's going <laughs> to violently disagree with us either way. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, this this has been quite the undertaking, not only because it's twelve albums. We 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 are uh, missing out Yellow Submarine because it's a load of. Um, Stuff that's elsewhere, Mostly, and, yeah. and some George Martin shit. So <laughs> we, 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 we decided not to do that one. Um, also, yeah, to just drop in. Sorry about my voice. I, I've, I've managed to catch a cold again, and it was my <laughs> work Christmas party last night, so I'm still quite hungover. But I'm giving it the old college try anyway. <laughs> uh, see how it goes uh, with the podcast. Um, but. Uh, yeah, um, I've consciously ignored the Beatles for most of my life mm. uh, because people feel so passionately about them. That's kind of driven me away. Yeah, I can get that. I, I think I'm not quite as, mine's not been quite as conscious an avoidance. Uh, just uh, they weren't particularly a band that were around in my childhood. Right. Mum and dad weren't particularly interested didn't play them around the house or anything like they, that. They, 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 they were for me, like um, the Beatles one, uh, mm. the, the the singles compilation yeah. was uh, was a big one in our childhood car journeys. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, something I might mention a few times, I'll bring it up, my, my first proper memory of, of mum and dad being into any, or, or having, owning any kind of Beatles was when the uh, Love compilation came out, which was for the... Cirque du Soleil mm-hmm. soundtrack thing, which was George Martin and his son getting together and remixing a load of the songs and mashing them together and yeah. patchwork thing. But um, yeah, other than that, it wasn't there, there weren't a band that I've been forced into in any way, particularly. And only in the last, I'd say probably only in the last really like six years, I actually listened to any full albums of. Before that, I hadn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've. Uh... I think before this, the only Beatles album I listened to in full was Revolver. Mm. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, like, I think I think what it is, this is a good time to do the Beatles in terms of my age. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't think, um, I think in my 20s, I was a bit too, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, contrary. Yeah, I, to give I mean, them a try. Yeah, and we've talked about this a little bit, haven't we? Like as as a teenager, based off of because I mean, even though I wasn't exposed as a child, I think it's impossible to grow up in this country and not have 
a certain amount of Beatles songs just in of course in your life yeah. they're just in the public consciousness yeah. everywhere um so based off of the probably like five or six Beatles songs that I knew really well, I decided as a teenager that I was going to plant my flag in the Rolling Stones camp and be like, no, the Beatles were nerdy and boring. The Stones were cool. <laughs> uh, and I stuck with that for years uh, and then gradually discovered more of both bands and realized, no, it, I'm, I'm more lean the other way. And now I don't have much time for the Stones at all, <laughs> bar a few songs. Uh, yeah, and yeah, the Beatles will obviously cool. See what see what ha- comes up here. <laughs> so um, yeah, we don't need to do much more of a preamble, I guess, uh, other than to introduce uh, d- tell you about the niche of the better top five we're doing at the end. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really fun one. Um, so obviously. You all out there will be aware of the uh, various conspiracy theories that surround the Beatles, most notably the Paul is dead uh, theory. Um, If you play, I can't remember which song it is, backwards, is it Iron Walrus? I can't remember. It might be one of the more psychedelic ones or something, I'm guessing. If you play it back, it it, it says uh, something, John says, I buried Paul or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, we're doing our top five songs by artists involved in music conspiracy theories, <laughs> and we got some absolute corkers, I reckon. Oh, there were some great ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, right, that'll be right at the end, along with some uh, shout outs. So yeah, um, before uh, we, we're gonna do, we're gonna cover the albums in chronological order. Um, I think it makes most sense to, uh, to, 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 to do it that way. But uh, let's have our rankings from 12 to 1 mm. of the Beatles. Um, do you want to go first, mate? Yeah, okay. Right. I think it's worth saying from the top, I think we both know each other's number one. maybe, Or we have an idea of what each other's number one is based on I think I think I know yours, but I don't think you know mine. I would guess at it, but yeah, no, okay. Okay. Um, Okay, yes, my number 12 is with the Beatles. My number 12 is Beatles for Sale. Okay, my number 11 is Beatles for Sale. My number 11 is Please Please Me. Okay, Uh, my number 10 is Please Please Me. (laughs) My number 10 is with the Beatles. Okay, there we go. My number 9 is A Hard Day's Night. My number 9 is Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, My number 8 is Help. My number 8... It's Rubber Soul. Which is my number seven. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's there's the first moment some people will be turning off and going, well, listen to this shit. Um, my number seven is Let It Be. Uh, which is my number six. Okay. <laughs> uh, my number six is A Hard Day's Night. Nice, okay. Uh, my number five is Revolver. Okay. My number five, you're going to kill me here, is the White Album. It's fair. We'll talk about it. I Yeah, I've, I've got something to say when we get to the top end. <laughs> uh, my number four is Magical Mystery Tour. Uh, my number four is Help. Nice. My number three is Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. My number three is Revolver. My number... No. Okay, before I do my two and my one. Uh, something that... There's a big one of these albums. My opinion of it has changed a lot in the last couple of years. Okay. Um, I have. I this is the first time we've done the ranking, I think, and I've got my favourite is my number one. Yeah. But I fully know that my number two is a better album. Right. So my number two is Abbey Road. Um, my number two is Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so my number one is obviously the White Album. Yeah, leaving my number one as Abbey Road, yeah, which is what I thought it would. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. I th- I thought you might think my number one would be Sergeant Pepper. No, it's too. No, we'll, <laughs> we'll come on to that. <laughs> right. So uh, we go first to please please me. Hmm. Um. Okay. So, yeah, their first record. Um, also, um, their first 
release with the lineup, the Fab Four. As an did, yeah. did, 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 did anything else? There's some singles. So, I mean, this this is the first thing just to say about this that means that I, as much as obviously the songs are much more kind of basic and. Oh, sorry, we forgot mm. to say. Obviously, our honorary number one would have to say the best of the Beatles. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> well done, got there just in time. Um, yeah, I, I, I have. There's, there's a very particular reason that I do really, really like "Please Please Me," despite the songs individually not being as amazing as obviously they, the Beatles become later on. Yeah. Um, which is just, we've talked before, I think, with White Stripes and a couple of other bands about amazing albums being recorded in a matter of weeks. Yeah. Um, so. Please Please Me consists of four previously released singles and then ten tracks that they recorded in one day. Wow. That's mad. Absolutely mad. Those amphetamines are really working. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, yeah, so the, and the best thing about that being that uh, the last one they recorded, for obvious reasons in terms of vocals, was Twist and Shout. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> there's no doing anything after that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just love, and I feel to me, compared to the sort of few of the early Beatles albums that come later, you can just feel that kind of spontaneous energy in this one. Yeah, you know, there's, definitely. There's, there's that young energy uh, to it. Yeah, I think um, the, fir- uh, the the fir- the first two reflect that. Um, mm. I actually think that um, with the Beatles is the more energetic record for me, the more charismatic of the two. The, the the first two, which is why I've put it at number ten of mm-hmm. um, uh, the highest of the first three records. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, um, like you say, uh, this one is um, yeah very much the sound of um, a young band working things out quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> I've just remembered as well talking of the whole doing it in the one day thing, mm. our excuse for not recording podcasts because you had a cold. Uh, John Lennon had a cold during the session. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So there we go, no excuses. Um, yeah, I just, it's, they're, they're clearly still a young band working out what they want to do. And yeah. it's, they're almost a covers band. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. You know, there's a lot of covers on here. Um, I think it's what is it? Yes, yeah, so it's my my low point of the album. I've got is is the fact that there are six covers and most of the originals are good impressions. <laughs> you know, they're like they John Lennon said much later on that they were basically just channeling the Everly Brothers and Buddy Holly, which yeah. is very apparent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I love both those acts, so I don't <laughs> mind. Um, the interesting thing I've noticed as well is I've always kind of my automatic assumption has always been that I'm a Lennon man, songwriting wise. Right. The first four or five um actually it's paul that is the standout songwriter for me mm-hmm. so on this you've got i saw her standing there as the opener which they're all how old are they when they recorded this album like something like 19 and 20 something yeah, like that yeah. that it's an incredibly accomplished song really there's like some quite unusual things going on even at this point melodically mm-hmm. with it yeah although uh... <laughs> Uh, one of my worst parts I got down that uh, it's a bit dodgy to have your entire discography kicking off with she was just 17 you know what you that know means what I mean. different time <laughs> <laughs> another one of my be- uh, worst parts here uh, my other worst part here is um, the various w- weird vocal tics present on this album I, I think that will come up a lot Woo! Um, those um, kind of things or what, um, what are we uh, thinking so um the way they they um, pronounce uh, uh, whoever's doing the backup singing, it, it, it sounds a bit like Blana in uh, Anna Go To Him. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are some odd odd things. There's no denying that. They're, they're, um, yeah, um, the Beatles' unique vocal approach and accents yeah, yeah. will come up later, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, and uh, worst song here, um, I think the most formulaic effort here is There's a Place. Yeah, it's, it's not one that um, 
yeah, I mean, I've just put it's decent enough, but not that memorable, which I've said for quite a lot of the songs on, on this album. Um, I My worst, I've actually gone with The Taste of Honey, okay. which is McCartney's, oh, yeah. McCartney's cover of an old show tune, which just seems a bit out of place. And McCartney never really stopped doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he does it more successfully later on. Uh, and it's a nice enough tune, but it, yeah, it just feels a bit like what else do we know that we could play in this day to, to get an album's worth of material? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, we've got, have we said, you haven't, we haven't said our top songs, have we? No, we not yet. Tops. Uh, not yet. So, uh, third, um, ask me why. Yeah. Nice. Um, second for me is, um, I think this is a, a cover. Uh, do you want to know a secret? Uh, no, that's, um, that's I think an original written by, written by Lennon, I think. Yeah. 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 And, um, then number one is, uh, love me do. Nice. Yeah. So uh, that, that, uh, I mean, love me do is obviously the other big single from this. One, yeah. Isn't yeah. It? I, um, which is great. Yeah. I, 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 I quite like, um, this, the, the, Obviously, early on, they were very intrinsic to the Mersey Beat scene. Yeah. And this is a very atypical Mersey yeah. Beat song. Yeah. And, and and again, worth saying, Paul was 16 when he wrote that song. Yeah. Uh, unfair. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's my, my second favourite as well, actually. My third favourite is Twist and Shout. Right. Um, again, I know it's not their song, it's a cover, but yeah. I think theirs is kind of the, it is the, the, the iconic version, really. Um, so you're going to say here because I know, I know you've got a hot take coming up later uh, that you, you you're, um, that I'll lambast you for. But uh, you're saying here that John Lennon invented screaming, or uh, <laughs> not not here? No, because he was just doing what Little Richard has done before. Uh, listen to John Lennon's uh, Plastic Ono Band 1970 album, however, and yes, um, he invents what screaming we know of as screaming. Uh, no, he doesn't invent it. I've got no idea. I haven't listened to other stuff around the time that it could be. Um, but uh, I just think, yeah, it's they did the right thing saving that till last because you can just tell they've just thrown everything that's left of them into that into that yeah. performance. And it's literally it was one take and that was it. They just did it once, burnt, done. Um, my my top is I saw her standing there though. Okay. Um, again, I just think it's one of those iconic songs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, for 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 best parts on here, uh, I've got that they for improvised lyrics. These aren't too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it for something that is essentially thrown together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, could have done a lot worse, um, and did later on. <laughs> um, when they actually had time to think about it, yeah, yeah, on uh, Beatles for Sale, I think in particular, I, I, yeah, I mean, my 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 highlight is is something I've just said already. It's just that I see this album as just being a bit of a time capsule of a very special moment in rock history, basically. Um, I think uh, the Boys is um is is a better parody of the Beach Boys than the actual parody did like parody uh, that. They, they did later on and uh, back in the USSR. Yeah, <laughs> so that is a Shirelles cover, which right. um, which is something I thought was interesting about because what's the other one you mentioned as well? Um, Ask me why. Yeah, which is um, influenced by Smokey Robinson yeah. and the Miracles. A lot of these first albums that they they cite a lot of kind of Motown and soul stuff as yeah. as big influences, which isn't the first thing that necessarily would come to mind when I was thinking of of influences, because the kind of the story that's told is much more kind of fifties rock and roll skiffle. Yeah, yeah, but but then uh, but then they also titled an album Rubber Soul, which is mm. uh, which is um, oh yeah yeah, and you and you listen to the way that. Lennon particularly sings, and well, McCartney actually on things like sort of standing there and stuff. And there's clearly a, a soul influence going yeah. on. It's just not surprise, surprise. The uh, the uh, music more of uh, black influence and origin is downplayed in the story. <laughs> Who'd have guessed? <laughs> yeah. Anything else to mention on this one? Uh, no, I don't think. Um, no, I don't think so. Really. We've talked. We talked about please, please me. Another big one. Yeah. Ultimate Everly's worship. <laughs> um, but apparently, was actually an attempt at a Roy Orbison ripoff. Oh right. Okay. Everly's, but yeah. yeah. 
same, same. <laughs> I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Sorry. Okay. It's right. It's it's right. You don't have to. I'm apologising to myself more than yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, aren't they dead? Yeah, but I'm, I'm apologising to me. <laughs> I love that stuff. Uh, so next we got with the Beatles. Mm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I was wrong. So, when I said earlier yeah. that um, that I thought of the first two albums, this one was the more energetic. No, it's actually the, the first one. I, I've got down that, 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 that this is lacking the energy of the first one. And, oh, do, you, yeah. and, and do you reckon they'd uh, stop taking the speed for this one? I mean, well, this, this was just... Um... It was, it was released eight months after Please Please Me. Right. Right. And it's it's not been controversial or anything to say that at this point, the Beatles were a boy band. Yeah. You know, in the, they invented the boy band, essentially, in the, in the way that we would, in our childhood, see, you know, Westlife and Boyzone and that and, kind of and thing, right? Yeah. So, clearly, it's not being overly cynical to say the record labels squeezed as much out of them in a short amount of time as possible. Of course. And therefore, in these early days, there's a lot of filler and a lot of shit. Uh, and after that kind of burst of that first album getting kind of the best of their material that they had out there, to then expect them to follow that up with anything remotely as good eight months later isn't going to happen. <laughs> and didn't happen. <laughs> Even though they had seven sessions over three months to record this one, rather than the day they had before. Um it's basically got no singles because they had I Want to Hold Your Hand. Yeah. But the label wanted to release that separately. The reason they gave was because they didn't want fans to feel like they'd been cheated by buying the single and then buying the album and one of the songs had already bought being there. Right. Don't give me that bullshit. <laughs> it's because you wanted more money. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah. So... They did, and I feel like they did that a lot. There's obviously there's quite a lot of singles that weren't on albums. I'm assuming it was mostly for that same reason a lot of the time, really. Uh, it's a shame because, yeah, that probably would have been the best song on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm, um, no, actually, but not for me. No? Um, I My best song here, I think I uh, prefer to I Want to Hold Your Hand, and it's their cover of uh, Smokey Robinson's You Really Got a Hold On Me. Interesting. I think I don't think I liked that very much. Okay. I really like um, McCartney's vocal on it. Oh no, sorry, my mistake. I've said yeah, I've said probably the best cover on this album. I must be thinking of a different one. There's a few Smokey Robinson things going on in the first few albums. So yeah. I must be thinking of a different one. Yeah. So this is Lennon and Harrison singing. Yeah. Um, and oh right, sorry, I thought it was yeah. McCartney. Well, this is the thing. So Nicky and I've been talking about this when we've been listening through. Like, without looking it up, I still don't really think in the latter stuff. Yes. But I think especially the first half of their career, I'd find it very difficult to say for sure who it is that's singing. They do have quite similar voices a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I did like that one a lot. Um, I think um, second and third for me um, was just like chucking stuff out there that I vaguely enjoyed about this record. It, it is poo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But... Um, <laughs> I think I think I think I think the strength of um, individual songs was why I had it just above the first and third records, but they're all poo. Uh, <laughs> we can we can swing past them pretty quickly, uh, but yeah, second and third uh, for me were all I've got to do and not a second time. Yeah, uh, but then I can't really remember them off the top of my head. No, I mean I've the the thing for me that I the, with the because. There's a lot of covers again, but there were on the first album. Yeah. But for me, the covers on this one just feel a bit more obvious. Right. Like, at least the covers on the first one, they're not massive, massive songs in the same way that some of these are. So, like, here you've got Roll Over, Roll Over Beethoven, which you're never going to do a better version than Chuck Berry of that. Yeah, and um, um, Mr. Postman as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Not, not, not a very good cover. No. Um, and what's the other one? Money, That's What I Want. Yeah. Barrett Strong cover, which is a brilliant, brilliant song. But again... You're not going to better it. Yeah. Um, not in not in a throwaway way like this anyway. <laughs> um, I've got uh, I've actually got the opener again 
Um, it won't be long. Okay. Uh, as my, I, I, I mean, it's got it's got that kind of a shouty Lennon energy going on again, <laughs> hasn't it? I'm starting to see a pattern in my own choices here. Um, but yeah, it's uh, straight away you can tell it's a bit more of a polished, a bit more of a produced sound than the first one, yeah. first album. Um, but the overdubs stick out a bit in the stereo version. I definitely prefer the mono versions of a lot of this earlier stuff. Um, worst song for me is uh, Don't Bother Me. It's pr- uh, pretty generic. George's first yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, something I Which didn't... I agree, He his songwriting improved massively because yes. this, yeah, is not good. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm sure this will come up later, but uh, basically beforehand in my life, uh, accidental pun there, uh, <laughs> Um, I decided that George is my favourite Beatle. Mm. He's the most. He's the most handsome. <laughs> um, I, I, I wanted to like his songs the most. I think I don't think I do. The thing is, there are so few of them. Is what makes it tricky as well. And he only really, in my opinion, we'll, we'll talk about it more when we get into the albums. But in my opinion, he only really got really good quite near the end right. of the Beatles' career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the most, obviously, non-problematic slash... Uh, Other than being best mates with racist Clapton. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and um, less hippie bullshit as well. Really? Uh, McCartney. McCartney's hippie bullshit annoys me. McCartney's the least hippie. Out. You're, t- you're talking about John Lennon, who did a bed protest with his wife and released three noise albums. <laughs> and George Harrison, who became obsessed with Indian meditation and sitar. Yeah. And you're saying McCartney's the most hippie. His hippie bullshit annoys me the most. Oh, I see. Okay. His brand of hippie annoys me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, but uh, but yeah, um, like uh, going back to the original point. <laughs> Don't bother me; it's quite boring. What's your worst song? Um, my worst song is straight after that little child. Oh right, written okay. for Ringo to sing, but he didn't end up singing it, so it just stayed there as a bit of a pointless song, and it's rubbish. Uh, I love the fact that they even they're on record loads of times. Lennon and McCartney are saying that when they used to write songs for Ringo, they deliberately try and write quite basic, simple songs that he could sing. So that's what this is. But he didn't even sing it. Um, I, uh, straight after that, I just want to quickly mention as well. There's "Till There Was You," which already straight away is it's another McCartney show tune cover, but I think works much much better than right. than the one previously. And it's a really nice uh, kind of tactile acoustic guitar part going on from from George there as well. Um, uh, have we done tops? I have. What was yours again? You oh no, really yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. Sorry, yeah. You really got a hold on me. Yeah, and I said it won't uh, And um, all I've got down for a, <laughs> for a best part or a part I liked is um, that I quite enjoyed the surf rock flotation on Holby Tight. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's yeah. He's Paul, Paul said about that one. It was a failed attempt at a single, which became an acceptable album filler. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's one of the ones I thought had the energy of the debut. Actually, it's interesting that it was originally recorded for that um, and then re-recorded later. Uh, yeah, I I don't really have a specific moment again of this. Just that it, it they're already. I feel like there are certain songs that show they're starting to diversify a little bit more and experiment a little bit. Just. Um, but yeah, ultimately feels like a bit of a thin cash-in. So we move on to their first movie soundtrack. Mm. Beatlemania had fully, fully taken hold of the world at this point. Certainly the UK and US. And uh, yeah, Hard Day's Night. Um, so... Yeah, I made I made an interesting discovery reading up on this, about, okay. which I didn't know before about the whole film thing. So this was basically the result of United Artists making a grab for the Beatles in the USA. Yeah. um, Because Capitol Records weren't that interested in releasing their music. Uh, So they got them to sign a three-film contract instead of a record contract, but just so they could release the soundtrack albums. 
So the films were basically just a way that this American record label could release their music in America under a different guise. So it's kind of... It's tricky, isn't it? Because I think we, it, it, they are soundtrack albums, but they're kind of also would have existed anyway, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I had this all the way up at number six and I'm looking at my notes and thinking, why? Well, I can... Do you know what? I'm not I'm not in complete disagreement with you about that because I kept looking at my ranking thinking I wanted this to be higher because I do really like it. I think it's... It's such a step up, yeah, from with the Beatles, yeah, and even from Please Please Me musically, um, uh, but everything that came later on for me just it just there's stuff about the the the, the albums after it other than one that we're going to talk about soon, um, which yeah just has that something extra that this doesn't quite, um, but. This is a great album. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't argue with you having it that high up at all. I think it's because when I was um, scanning through uh, my notes, I noticed that um, I had quite a lot of uh, best parts for this. But mm-hmm. looking closer, they're all linked to worst parts. Oh, okay, interesting. So, so I've got that. I like the slinky understated boss and over feel of uh and i love her yeah but then that's followed by the generic and poorly recorded tell me why yeah yeah um i like the um sort of turtles and zombie-esque feel of things we said but then that's followed by the boring when i get home yeah, see, I don't. Find, I, I quite like when I got get home. It's another mo. Very Lennon. Lennon was still very much in his Motown phase. Uh huh. Um, and and shout out to the ridiculous lyric, "I'm gonna love her till the cows come home." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I quite enjoy it. It's nothing that special, but it's it's good. It's enjoyable. I thought. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the big overall thing for me that that meant that I it, I see it more favorably is first of all, it's out of the first four albums, it's the only one without any covers on it. Right, out of the first five, even I think, before until Rubber Soul, it's, it's the only one without any covers. It's also the only album only written by Lennon and McCartney out of the whole lot. Um, so I, I feel like that is maybe because it's still only nineteen sixty four that this comes out. You know, it's not been that long. Yeah, I feel like that's a sign that they're kind of starting to actually hit their stride a bit more. Yeah, um, and there's things there's things at this point that already are starting to now, they're starting to actually be the band that are influencing people rather than just regurgitating their influences. So the big thing being George Harrison's got his 12-string Rickenbacker that he's playing throughout most of it, which influenced a lot of the folk rock stuff, like the birds and things like that. Yeah. Um, and my my highlight moment is the opening chord to A Hard Day's Night and the whole album. Yeah, yeah. Just because so many musical experts and people have analysed it and no one can work out what is being played, <laughs> which I love. I think that's brilliant that still no one is entirely sure what each individual member is actually playing in that opening chord. You've got, you've got George Martin's piano in there as well. Um, yeah, which I just think is brilliant. And wh- whatever it is, it's it's iconic. Just It's just one chord and straight away you know what's coming when yeah. you hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> Just to, just to cover um, the rest of my best and worst parts. Um, yeah, like uh, like I was saying, um, some poor choices for couplets of songs shows that they maybe this is a bit directionless. Yeah, and I'm going to... I mean, this might be controversial. As maybe, maybe one album, possibly, that I'd say this doesn't count towards. But I think this is a, a weakness for me of the Beatles generally. Is their uh, the order of their track lists? Yeah, is very often all over the place. Yeah, um, and seem I'm sure there were I'm sure there was thought put into the tra- the track listing on all their albums, but it, a lot of the time it seems quite random. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like um, just uh, j- just looking here, there, 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 there's um, some other examples here, like "Can't Buy Me Love" and "Any Time at All" don't fit together no. whatsoever. No. Um, can't buy me love actually is my favorite song here same it, it would uh, it used to 
it would have been a hard day's night for a long, long time, for years. All that period where I, like, as a teenager, where I was like, oh, I don't really like the Beatles, I'm a Stones person, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Hard Day's Night was always my Beatles song right. uh, that I always loved. And I remember, I remembered while I was doing this, it's, it's one of my earliest musical memories is A Hard Day's Night as a song because we learned it in primary school. We must have had quite a cool music teacher. I can't remember who it was. But I remember learning that song and singing it as a class in primary school. And so it's been part of my kind of musical knowledge since then. Right. Um, and it's still great. It's probably my second favourite still on here. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, Can't Buy Me Love is next level, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, filling out the top, my top three best songs is... Uh, any time at all, even if it's quite repetitive, mm-hmm. and uh, happy just to dance with you. Yeah, that's a really cool one. Yeah, um, I'll be back. Just a quick shout out. Uh, an enjoyable song. It means I get to do a bad Arnie impression. <laughs> I literally have put I've, that in my notes. All right, Arnie. I want your claws, your boots, and, and your, your jingly mo- jangly goodness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the joke. Um, Yes, but uh, worst song I've got, um, I'll Cry Instead. Yeah, uh, which is interesting. is one that Lennon said he wrote for a particular sequence in the film and it wasn't used for it in the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's I've got that as a weak point, definitely. Um, yeah, I've got it as my worst as well, actually. Uh, my low, like, my my worst moment, I've got John's falsetto in I Should Have Known Better. Oh, right. Is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> really horrible. Brilliant vocals otherwise. Uh, and then he just does this falsetto bit. So it's like, no, no you're not ready for that. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, I think uh, something I was going to say about Can't Buy Me Love is, isn't just a thing that I think is indicative generally of how timeless a lot of their songwriting is is it's, what was this, 1964. So we're approaching 60 years since this came out. Yeah. Um, and a few weeks ago, uh, so I, I teach computing mm-hmm. and I let kids put music on while they're working sometimes, but YouTube is not to be trusted. <laughs> uh, so I've done this thing this year where they can request songs that I'll put on like a massive playlist that I've vetted, right. basically, and they can play that playlist. Not our, not our um, Spotify Ragbag playlist. No. <laughs> um, and the like within the first day of me putting that online, someone had requested Can't Buy Me Love by the Beatles. Ha. This is like an eight-year-old kid um, who does learn guitar, so it's probably come from that. Yeah. But the fact that it's it's... Uh, they've connected with it. You know, an eight-year-old in 2021 is still connecting with a song written in 1964 shows there's obviously something about it. Um, yeah, so it, it's, yeah, I think that is a spe- it's their, one of their first properly special songs, that one. Um, I do quite like, uh, we talked about like the skiffle thing before and in kind of a negative way, I suppose, but the, you can't do that the Lennon one near the end, uh, which I think is a better kind of homage to their skiffle, skiffle times. Um, bit, of, bit of Donny Lonergan. Yes. I quite like, uh, as well, I found a quote from Tom Petty, uh, who, uh, when he was playing stuff with George Harrison much later on, apparently George said about that song, uh, it, it came on... Uh, there's that there's a really cool like riff at the beginning on his 12 string um and apparently george just said to tom oh yeah i came up with that and tom goes what well, how did you come up with it and i was just standing there and thought i've got to do something it's <laughs> 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 just like and, and that's the like we've not mentioned it yet but it's bound to come up at some point the get back documentary that's that everyone's been kind of watching and talking about yeah to me that's the biggest thing that i took away from watching that was how so many of these iconic wonderful musical moments in that the Beatles do just seem to just happen right like we allocate all this genius and things which obviously there's there's not anyone would just come up with them but they seem to be going just like one of them will pick something up and uh, pick a guitar up or sit at the piano and just go oh there's a there's a timeless iconic riff there we go (laughs) fuck's sake (laughs) (laughs) uh 
Yeah, no, like I said, I get, I get why you've got this one as high up as you have. It's, it's tricky because I, I agree. Looking at my notes, there's not that many songs that I've gone, wow, this is incredible. Yeah, but I think as a, it's the first one, isn't it, that as a whole thing makes sense and works really. I think, I think maybe my my bottom is just because I dislike it less than most of my bottom half. <laughs> so now we move on to my bottom record. Uh, yes. Beatles for sale. I mean, oh my God. I've got it at number 11. So yeah. got, I did think with the Beatles was worse. Right. But I do think that is atrocious. Uh, so Beatles for sale is not a lot better. And again, it's a, another case of it's the same year as the previous album. It's been squeezed out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really off the uh, Amphets by this point. And after reaching their stride, finally doing an album that is all originals. And then they're like... Okay, now do another one. Oh, we've just used all our songs up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we pretty much uh, said all we have to say about this album already. It's poo. But um, <laughs> uh, for, 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 for best parts, I've got that um, fairly strong opening too, if a little lazy lyrically. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind the last three, so this could have been an EP. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting that that's exactly so. They'd wanted to record it and wanted to record another album of all original, um, but basically didn't have the time because of the amount of touring they were being made to do. Yeah. Um, so just let them release it later, for goodness sake! Like it's ridiculous. This is yeah. their fourth album in twenty-one months. <laughs> like, of course, it's not going to be on par, you know. Um, so yeah, it's, it is a shame. And for, this is the first one where Lennon is quoted as sort of saying that his Dylan influence is starting to come in, yeah. which is a bit earlier than than I thought it did. Um, which is quite interesting. Um, yeah, I I do think there are some I do think there are some real highlights on it. Um, really? Yeah, I do. I, I I think I'll follow the sun is the first. Well, it's probably one of the first McCartney ballads that we've had, actually, isn't it? And I do okay. think it's a really good one. Okay. Um, just, just a good because it is just him and guitar pretty much. It's, it, it's really it shows off what a good ear for a catchy but original melody he he has. Um, and again, another one he, he says he wrote when he was sixteen. Come on. <laughs> um, and straight after that, you got Mister Moonlight, which is um, uh, another. It's a, a cover, but that was one that stuck out to me on first listen that I really enjoyed. It's John Lennon singing it, but. Um, a Do- Doctor Feelgood cover, but not that Doctor Feelgood. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, best song of, uh, um, uh, and, and, and I don't even particularly like it, which is, um, you know, reflects my feelings of this album is uh, Eight Days a Week. Yeah, which again, like the big single from yeah, this album. Yeah, which yeah. It's, I do, I do think it's, I mean, it's my, I've got I'll Follow the Sun, the McCartney one I was just talking about, it's my best. Okay. Um, but I've got the those like quiet post-chorus bits on eight days a week as my highlight moment. Okay. The bit where it does the weird like harmony thing. Do you know the bit I mean? Yeah. Um, I just think that's really, it just completely shifts the tone of the song just for that little bit and then goes back into it, which I really like. Something yeah. that they ended up doing a lot more later again. Uh, uh, sorry, go on. So, um, yeah, um, another one I've got down for a, for, for a song I thought was okay is Every Little Thing. But, um, yeah, uh, worst uh, song. <laughs> just put down most of this. It just feels so half-arsed. Particular offenders in blandness are Kansas City, Hey, 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 and Honey Don't. Cover, yeah, cover medley and, and cover, uh, as, yeah, Honey Don't is Ringo's one, isn't it? Which, yeah, is... <laughs> I've just put yeah, wedged in there to give Ringo something to sing, and it's crap. Just, <laughs> I do love, I do love the lethargic. Oh, rock on, George! One time for me before Harrison's solo. <laughs> like, God, don't put too much into it, Ringo, will you? <laughs> like, um, can't remember which song it's from, but gone down, got down for a worst part. Um, the uh, the bit where I think it's Lennon sings um, blowing like a hurricane <laughs> to rhyme with something else. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's ironic. There's a song near the end, I Don't Want to Spoil the Party. That <laughs> happened a while ago. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it, I do. Like I say, I do think there are there are a few songs on there that I do think are really good. But but, but yeah, overall, it's as my 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 worst thing about it is what I've said is just that I think the pointless covers just make it feel like a bit of a regression, um, which is going to happen if it's forced like the way it was. Um. Yeah, are we finally done with this with the first four albums? Thank fuck for that. <laughs> um, so now we, 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 we move on to Help, which, uh, yeah, somewhat controversially, it's quite low down for you, but it's my number four. You're not, yeah, I mean, that is high. So. Again, it's it's, num- it's my number eight. So it's kind of, basically, it's above the four we've just talked about because <laughs> it's the first proper step up, isn't it? Yeah. Really? yeah. Um, and uh, here... Um, is why and is um, I think my biggest hot take that's gonna uh, that might rile you up okay help mm. is my favourite Beatles song uh, fair enough I don't I don't have a problem with that okay um, I think it's guitar pop perfection yeah I, I like um, I've put it's it's genuine it's raw it's an honest plea for help from yeah. John <laughs> um, about what he later referred to as his fat Elvis period Basically, just realizing he was on self-destruct mode. Right. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's rightfully one of the most iconic Beatles singles. Um, yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. Enough. No, I don't have a problem with that at all. I think it's, that yeah, it's got everything. If if you were to just off the top of your head quickly think what what makes a generally a, what like if you were to put together a generic classic Beatles single, yeah. It's got all of the things you would expect to be there. Okay. So yeah, no, I, d- I don't have a problem with that. Fair enough. It's not my best on this album, uh, oh, let right. alone my okay. best Beatles song. But um, okay, but yeah, it's great. What is then? I mean, it's it's cliche in it, but yesterday. Ah, it's um, uh, it's it's one of the. It's, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. It's one of those songs that is so 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 massive. It's yeah. easy to forget actually how good it is. Um, and for a song that just kind of he claims just came to him. Yeah, uh, like he, he's, I think I can't remember the exact like quote or anything, but he's he's basically said before that it it made him believe the whole thing that a lot of the old fifties rock and roll singers and stuff used to say that like music already exists, it just comes to you at some point and you put it out there, and he's like, yeah, I don't remember where any of it came from. It just kind of I sat down and it happened. Um, yeah, and it's what isn't it? Well, like one of the most covered songs of all time. Or I something. think it's the yeah. most covered. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about it? It's yesterday, everyone. It's one of those, like I was saying earlier about songs that you grow up just knowing without even knowing who it is or yeah. anything. It's one of those, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, where were we? <laughs> Sorry, so, um, we've, uh, we took a little break to move to the sofa. This is a first. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess... Uh, Sorry, this is of no interest to you lot whatsoever, but uh, <laughs> no, there's any of this really. Um, <laughs> sitting on a chair um, forces me out of my comfort zone, but uh, I, I feel a bit, um, I'm more active when I'm less comfortable. But uh, okay. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm in sort of first gear anyway, so <laughs> doesn't really matter. Um, so yes, where were we? So we've done our best. We've just done our best songs, basically. Haven't yeah, we? that's yeah. right. You, uh, yeah, that's right. You were on yesterday. Yeah. Uh, worst song for me is uh, the Ringo song. <laughs> it's act naturally, <laughs> but I, I kind of love it at the same time. <laughs> this is like the it's country one, isn't it? The country. Yeah, cover. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. I've just put K. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's from a film. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is. Yeah. Um, it's fine. It suits him. It suits his voice and stuff. It's just, uh, it's it's fair for the sake of it to give Ringo a song. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that good. Um, we've not mentioned uh, obviously another another big one from here is Ticket to Ride. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so 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 um, as one of my best parts, uh, I think uh, this this one might be another reason why it might be up uh, right away up at number four for me is that. Uh, um, uh, I think this record has the best singles here mm-hmm. since the debut. Yeah, fair. So you got uh, yeah, uh, help, ticket to ride, and yesterday. 
Any others? Um, they're, I think they're, the, they're the, like the big ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll just say at this point as well, it's my, my uh, highlight moment. I think this is the first album that we've talked about where I actually have a specific moment in a song. Oh, no, we've talked about eight days a week. But um, the, the drum pattern and general kind of progressive approach to Ticket to Ride right. makes it as special as it is for me. Um, so it's interesting that it's... So it's a, a Lennon song, mostly. Um but McCartney's kind of contribution was to to tell Ringo to do more of a kind of dragging tempo with the drum beat in the verses, um, which I think, like, with the melancholic melodies going on there and stuff, it's just it, gorgeous. It works really, really well. And it's the first ever Beatles song that runs in over three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, another best part I've got here is the, um, the first two songs. So that's... Uh, help and um uh the night before mm-hmm. um just uh that sort of reinvigorated burst of energy yes uh, especially after being uh being for sale being so yeah. dull and half-assed yeah absolutely um, just, and it's, 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 it's so refreshing yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I even quite like you got to hide your love away with, uh, but even though it's their first sort of like we love bob dylan moment yeah yeah and yeah exactly it is very, very, very Dylan. Yeah. Um, I like with the night before. It's quite a rare at this point, anyway. Quite a rare aggressive vocal from Paul. It's normally kind of Lennon that you expect to have. Oh yeah. The more kind of rocky, forced vocal, um, but but Paul's kind of bringing it out on that one. So nice harmonies there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, worst parts I've got here. Um, <laughs> uh. Can't remember. Oh yeah, it'll be. Um, uh, can't remember which song this is. You're gonna lose that girl, maybe. Where he says, um, "She's the sweetest girl, and I met quite a few." I've got all right, Virgin. Oh no, they were they were the Beatles five albums in somehow. I think not. But <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Oh no! It, it's 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 another girl because I've got next to it that it sounds like he says another gale. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got both of those as kind of enjoyable enough, but fairly forgettable. Yeah. Um. I I I've got now. I. It's a tricky one. This for me. I uh, I need you, George's song. Okay. Um has like a weird almost out of time volume pedal guitar thing going on do you know do you remember the the bit that it's like no afraid not i find it really jarring okay but it's kind of credited as being really influential okay like not many people have done that um and it reminds me a lot of certain elements of fleetwood Mac's tusk which i absolutely love as an album which is 14 years after this <laughs> um but for some reason on this song, I, I, I don't get on with it because he, basically it's, he's doing like some guitar chords overdubbed over what he's done on the rest of the song yeah. and uses the volume pedal to just kind of fade it in and out. But the way he does that makes it sound out of time and not the same, not out of time in the same way every time. So it just feels a bit clumsy, um, which I think ruins what is otherwise a much better effort from George's songwriting than, than we've had before. Uh, second half. Uh, uh, also got down as the worst part. Second half is not great here until the last two. Yeah, uh, I think I've, I've I really like the kind of acoustic picking intro of "I've Just Seen a Face," the one okay. before yesterday. It's yep. very Simon and Garfunkel sounding. Haha. <laughs> um, you kind of yeah when when it, when it, when they bring up all these people that were contemporaries. They were influenced by you. Kind of forget how many other acts they were around at the same time. They were, but I looked into this with Simon and Garfunkel because I thought, oh, I wonder which way the influence went there. And actually, at the point this album came out, Simon and Garfunkel had only had one album, which was mostly covers. Right. And they're another. They're another group who started as like an Everly's covers thing, basically. So they had very similar influences as yeah. well. Anyway. Um. So I'm guessing this was more of an influence on. Simon and Garfunkel, then the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's there was another similar thing with that actually, which was "You Like Me Too Much," which is another Harrison one. Um, 
and I think is his but this is his best one up to this point um but again really reminds me melodically of uh New York mining disaster 1941 by Bee Gees oh right which was released in 1967 so again there's, there's like a bit where the melody is almost identical the vocal melody that's not a Bee Gees song I know um, it's it's generally regarded as a Beatles rip-off song, which right. I didn't realise before, <laughs> when they were still kind of, yeah, doing a similar folky kind of thing. Right. Before the disco hit. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else on help? No, I think that's it, really. Again, uh, I won't argue with you having it as high up as, as you do. I get it. I think what it was for me, when I was looking through for my ordering, I looked at the track list and there weren't that many songs that I looked at and without looking at my notes was like oh yeah I loved that one yeah looking at my notes actually I've been really really positive about it like, yeah, I really yeah, like yeah. it but there were it just didn't have those songs that I could straightway recall and be like yeah I really like that so now we move on to um what will be the last album we cover on this part Rubber Soul uh yeah I had this right away down in eighth and I think for me the big barrier for me enjoying this is the Dylan influence. Um, Which is definitely there. There's yeah, no two absolutely. Ways about it. Yeah. Not as overbearing as I thirst for, um, or, and maybe thought when I was making my notes. Mm. In retrospect, it's sort of, yeah, uh, a bit more diverse than just that. And it's not that, like I, I hate Bob Dylan either. No, no. There are, there, 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 are, there are songs of his I just enjoy, just on the whole, he's not really for me. Yeah. And when you got, yeah, both Lennon and Harrison here channeling mm. him. And it's interesting, like, you read interviews with Lennon in, like, 1980, like, much later on, I think. He's, he, it, you're not being controversial by saying that. Like, mm. he, he is the first to say he was basically worshipping Dylan at this time and basically yeah. wanted to be him. Yeah. Um. So... You know, it's yeah, it's that's gonna come through, isn't it? Um, but uh, but yeah, obviously this is a this is the first of their well-regarded, critically acclaimed run. Yeah, I mean, and some would argue is amongst the albums that kind of popularized the album format over the single. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the first one where it was clearly its own thing. Is this the first after they'd stopped touring? Uh, not quite. This was the last, I think this was the last one that they toured. Right. Okay. Possibly. I might be wrong with that, but it was, I believe it was, it was, it was in 1965 that they were touring and stopped touring altogether, basically. So it was either just before or just after this one. Yeah. Okay. Um, best parts of this one, go on with that cowbell, drive my car, (laughs) which is, uh, which is my, my best song here. Yeah, uh, I, it's not my best, but uh, something that I had never picked up on, bearing in mind I absolutely love this artist, and then I read this and was like, of course it fucking is, is that George has said he ripped off the guitar riff from Otis Redding's Respect. Ah. More famous by... Uh, Aretha Franklin. Franklin. obviously. But, uh, Rolling, on Stone, the, Rolling Stone's top song of yes, all time. Yes, yeah. On the, uh, on the Otis Redding version, there's a, there's a really cool guitar riff, which George has basically said that's what he took <laughs> to drive my car. Um, it's a, I, I find it quite... For the tone of the rest of the album, I think it's quite an odd one. Yeah. And it's an odd opener, I'd say, as well. Yeah. But it's good fun. And that's really all I get from it, to be honest. It's not one of my favourites. What do you reckon you'd have as the opener? Because... I don't really know, I'm looking at the track listing and not many candidates stand out to me. Norwegian Wood you'd never have have as an opener. No, it's quite a low-key album, isn't it? It's it's definitely more folky than anything they've done because of the the Dylan influence. So there's nothing that stands out really as a massive, like, bam, here we are. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, maybe You Won't See Me track three, possibly. Uh, which I love that the um, <laughs> School of Rock clearly borrowed the ooh la la las. I've never noticed that before. So exa- yeah, that's where that comes from. Ooh la la la. That's actually my uh, my second favourite song here. Yeah, that's really cool. You won't see me. Um, and uh, j- sorry, just to round out my top three, uh, third is um, Think For Yourself. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another good Harrison one. Using that fuzz box for the bass uh, <laughs> with McCartney's part is, is brilliant. Sounds like dirt, but works brilliantly. Um, yeah, again, this is where this is where I think Paul has started to become um, 
interested in playing bass. <laughs> you know, like he was forced into being the bassist, basically, because yeah. no one else would. Um, and I think this is the album where actually he starts to be doing things creative and interesting with that. So again, you won't see me. There's like he said, he used Motown as an influence for his bass part there, which I think is the best part of the song. Um, my my best track actually is Norwegian Wood. I know it is very Dylan in places. Yeah, and it's very folky, but yeah. I just think it's really nice. And I love, uh, I think obviously the start of their experimentation as well with George bringing the sitar in, which again I love actually was pre India and mostly happened because he just found it in the cupboard at the studio. Right. And thought he'd have a go. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I just it's it's again it's quite a it's quite an unbeatlesy song overall, I suppose, isn't it? Um but, but yeah. I think Nowhere Man is good. Yeah. Just a song uh, about uh, creative block. Yeah, yeah. Obviously that was the uh title of the mm. um John Lennon biopic yeah. and my feelings. They're shared by many people of not liking John Lennon means I don't enjoy this song. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, uh, Michelle, I quite liked his McCartney, yeah. McCartney one that he um, used apparently used to try and used to busk it, trying to attract women to right. make his friends laugh. Yeah, yeah. Which it's a bit the, of a teenage it, joke. Uh, actually, um, <laughs> not a bad French voice, uh, fr- uh, no. uh, French accent. <laughs> um, you, you, you'd think of a scouser speaking French and run in horror, but. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's not actually that bad. Yeah, so um, another best part is uh, I think this album has a strong first half, especially around um, "Think for Yourself," "The Words," and "Michelle." But then, um, for my worst song, um, I've got two candidates, which is "What Goes On." I don't think is the best bridge between the first and second okay. half of the record, and uh, "Wait." is quite um, repetitive and boring. Okay, which uh, was originally written for help. Um, right. As in for the film, I think. Uh, I don't know, I quite like it. I think it's got... It, I, it's got that feel to it of the more more of the urgent sort of style of help, but it's still got that kind of mystery that this album has overall. Um, and what goes on, I've got as my highlight of the album, is that we finally got a Ringo song that's not completely dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Started by Lennon as a Buddy Holly ripoff. No spoilers, um, but that for me doesn't come until a lot later. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, in my life, I think it's quite cool. I think... And is um, a, is a, is a favourite for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's credited as a, a massive song for them, as is... Norwegian would yeah. like in terms of um, influence and experimentation. Yeah, yeah. The th- I mean, the I, thing, I, I, the experimentation I, 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 is the thing that lets in my life down for me. I can't stand the the harpsichord sounding right. instrument that comes, which is actually George Martin playing piano that they then sped up to <laughs> sound like a harpsichord. Uh-huh. Um, but I just think that makes this like medievally kind of it cheapens it a bit for me. It sounds a bit shit. Well, not medieval. It's like Baroque, isn't it? The harpsichord. Yeah, yeah. But that kind Clavichord. of from, Yeah, yeah. You know. The melodies, I mean. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I think my opinion on this album is it might be coloured by Norwegian Woods and in my life being credited with such mm. massive songs for them in terms of like people's adoration, just not two songs I particularly get. Yeah. Uh, so there um, that is. And I would my la- my least favourite uh, track is the. The closer run for your life, which okay, I mean, yeah, musically it's great, but it's one of the rare cases where, like, even Lennon has said later on that he regrets writing it because it is considering what we know about Lennon at this time as well. Yep, um, leaves a bit of a sour taste, right? Uh, you know, better run for your life, little girl, if you can, or I'll hit you. Yeah, um, he said it. He went there. Yeah, so yeah, that's just it's it's a shame that an album that is as kind of it's a for me it's it's a perfect Sunday morning album, uh, and then ending it with a sour thing like that is a bit <laughs> like oh, <laughs> never mind. Um, the last thing I've got to say on this record is that um, that weird that weird sounding girl really yeah. set uh, sets off my phonophobia. Yeah, see, I normally find that really irritating, but I put that actually really love it. Um, yeah, I quite like that song. 
pleasantly lazy is how I've described it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good like slacker Lennon song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yes, that brings us to the end of um, of part one on our uh, epic Beatles quest, our magical mystery tour, if you will, <laughs> around its discography uh, of the Beatles, the the Beatles, <laughs> not from Seattle. Uh, so join us in part two, uh, where we'll be. Yeah, uh, so uh, we've done up to Rubber Soul. So we've got Revolver, Sergeant Pepper, Magical Mystery Tour. The White Album, Abbey Road, and Let It Be still to go. See you on the other side of the jingle.